right, it's about that time. Chris Brooks here, joined by Jared Redding, both of us with 247 Sports and Inside the Rebels. Happy to be with you guys this early morning. I'm guessing that's when I'm going to put this out. Um, Jared, nice enough to give me 15, 20 minutes of his time to preview what's going to be a big weekend of, of baseball in Oxford. But Jared, how you doing, first of all, man? Man, I'm doing good. I'm um, just trying to survive grad school one day at a time. Um, it's one of those things where, you know, you come after spring break, you know, you think the semester's almost over. Uh, you have a lot of scores all of a sudden just laid out on your feet out of the blue, and they just tell you to just do, do what you can and kind of get out of it. Some of us, would, you know, sometimes they don't know uh, that we have full-time jobs on our hands. So um, it's just one of those things where, you know, you got to play the head in your delt and, you know, just live one day at a time and do your job the best you can. You just dropped some, uh, some, you dropped one day at a time on me, bud. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. It's, I'll tell you what, you know, grad school's no joke. I will say, you know, I, you know, I thought, you know, having a, having a three, six GPA in undergrad would you know, give you a walk in the park and good letter of recommendations will tell you that you're ready for grad school. And, you know, directly, I have some good recommend recommendation, but you know, it doesn't mean that you know the road gets easier, that gets tougher. But at the same time, it makes you a better person at the end of the day, and in turn, makes me a better journalist at the end of the day. Dude, did you just just very slightly humble brag your GPA and your letters of recommendation on me? I mean, unless you know, you think an idiot like me can get to grad school, I just need you to give you a receipt of validation. You did. Oh, I know what you did. No, I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of the humble brag. Big fan of passive aggressive. No problems here, man. Three six, getting it done. Nothing wrong with that. You should, you should. Uh, why don't you put that in your Twitter byline or your what is what is that? Run is that my Twitter handle, Jared E. Redding? Yeah, whatever that where you put the like you ever run into these Twitter people and the things in there that describe them, it's like they're so clever. They come up with like your what does your say something about your oh, yeah. mercenary? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the sports media mercenary. Yeah, I remember uh very vividly. Uh, I went to go cover a high school football game, I think it was uh two years ago, and it was one of those where you know, there was a storm that moved the games up and it intertwined with volleyball season. Uh, so I covered game and there was a game on Saturday that same week. So I had a high school game, high school football game back to back to back. And, you know, it was like one day I was in Madison, the next day I was in Cenotopia, and then the third day I was in Oxford. And then when I got to the, around the Oxford game, it's like someone just said, boy, you're a sports media mercenary, aren't you? And it just kind of stuck Damn. from uh, that point on. Yeah, that and uh, I think my first line is – Something I think I'm very proud of, but at the same time, it's really true. Where I guess to say I get to uh, get paid to watch sports and have fun. Uh, I know yours is good. I can't come up with stuff. Like I like that. yours. Happy to be here. That's oh, the only good contribution I've ever made to Twitter was that. It just hit me one day because that's really like I go through every day and I feel like that. Man, I'm just happy to be here. Just happy mm-hmm. to be here. We have jobs that we enjoy doing, and um, I mean, look, life in general. I have. Well, you don't have uh, you don't have what I have, but I have three kids. I'm chasing them around the baseball field. You know, Connor right now is is a senior at Northwest Rankin, and we're going through the recruiting thing. You know, he's talked to Ole Miss. He's, he's they've watched him pitch. We or he's heard from LSU. Yeah, I'm gonna do the humble brag thing too there from LSU and Mississippi State and and Southern Miss. But he's one of those kids. You know, he doesn't have those offers. He just has those schools interested on whatever level so um i mean i am i am happy to be here and i will we'll go out watch the kids play and you know you pinch yourself sometimes that 
you know, my kids are getting older and you don't know what this is like yet, but you know, you don't get these days back. So we're trying to enjoy all of it, but, but that's enough of that. I can, I can get into that another time. How about let's get into the, the weekend of, um, of Ole Miss versus Tennessee. Okay. Whew. Let's let's talk about it because there's there's a lot of stuff I gotta say. Um, This is big, man. Like for real, this is this is an early season big weekend that and for college baseball, there'll be a lot of eyes on Oxford from around the country. People that just want to see how this one shakes out. Oh, most definitely, and it's one of those where you know, depending on how much you follow college baseball, you know, if you're just the one who. Um, you know, watch this college football, basketball, baseball, just kind of as the season goes on, or if you're a dedicated college baseball person, regardless if you're on one end of the spectrum or another, all eyes are on Oxford, uh, you know, this weekend. And it's just really such an intriguing matchup because, um, you know, is the big question of who's the number one team in the country? You know, if you ask the majority of people, if you ask, uh, you know, D1 baseball, who, whose rankings are on every single score bug on all the uh, ESPN networks, on most of the game notes uh, released from SIDs, usually that first number is usually coming from D1 baseball. They have Ole Miss number one. And so Baseball America always also has Ole Miss number one as well. USA Today, they were ranked number one uh, last week. But in one poll, Perfect Game has Tennessee number one. Yeah, And, and, and granted, both – and everyone, everyone in the ranking process, in that ranking pool, will have a very good case for why these teams are number one. You look at Ole Miss, you look at the talent, they're 16-4. and four. Uh, They can score runs that well. They can run rule you if need be. But look at Tennessee, though. You know, and I feel like Tennessee hasn't really gotten the respect it deserves, which is crazy because they're, they statistically have the best record in the conference. Yeah. They're 20-1. They are coming off of a season or excuse me, a uh, series sweep against South Carolina. Um, ranked number five by D1 Baseball, as I mentioned earlier, and number one by Perfect Game. They lead the SEC in almost every offensive category in, bat- in batting average. Batting average. Really? Yeah, they have a team batting average of 341. That's third best in college baseball. See, I thought you were going to go a different direction with that because all right, I'm familiar with SEC baseball, not to the level you are because you're pouring yourself into this. Um, my oldest has given me an education on Tennessee today because he's looking into all these schools and, and he actually likes Tennessee, the jerseys. People think that's not a real thing, but I can tell you guys, like jerseys and that sort of stuff, it absolutely grabs the attention of these players. Football, baseball, basketball, doesn't matter. But he brought up, tell me if I'm wrong, he brought up the two starters for Tennessee, aren't Oh, goodness, yes. All right, they, now that's like us last year with, with Nikhazy and with, with Hogland and what they were able to do. These two dudes for Tennessee are similar, right? Scary good. Yeah. Uh, they're getting, yeah, tomorrow's starter is a freshman, uh, right-hander Chase Burns, .68 ERA going into this weekend. 34 it's, strikeouts, nine walks. That's the one they kind of compare to Jacob DeGrom. Just he looks a little like him the way he pitches. My, that's what my son was telling me. Yeah. Um, he's got a point. Um, and then their game three starter, Drew Beam, also a freshman, has a 109 ERA, 19 strikeouts, six walks. Well, which one uh, is the one throwing 103? Good question. I saw that. Um, it's Hold on. I, I can't. I, I, I previously talked to uh, two Tennessee folks. Yeah, I know Jared actually. He's just was interviewed by the two four seven or 
Uh, yeah, West West Rucker at twenty four seven Sports covers uh, the Tennessee Volunteers uh, for their site. I'm going to pull it up here real quick. I'm not familiar with the names. I've watched a lot of Tennessee here lately. So um, Ben Joyce, Ben Joyce, that's Ben Joyce. Name. Thank you. Uh, yes. Like that guy is he's all over Twitter with Pitching Ninja, the guy that breaks down all the pitchers in the major leagues in college. Like just filthy stuff. Uh, I'm technically I'm not even sure he's one of these two starters. Correct. Um, he's not a uh, he's not a weekend starter. Oh, so he's like um, a third guy. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, he's pitched seven innings so far this year. Wow. Okay. So that's he's an pitched, extra. Arm. He's pitched seven innings. Um, he has struck out ten, walked three. Teams are batting one sixty against him. Okay. So. You know. Now the stud again, the one that that you brought up first. What was his name again? Chase Burns. Now, now he is even for I know you said he's a freshman, but like in terms of just stuff and standing and Friday night guy, he's nasty, correct? Oh goodness, yeah. I mean that that's one thing that uh, Rucker and uh, um, Jake Nichols, who also is a Tennessee beat writer, whose uh, podcast also on the Hit It to Hoover podcast. Uh, um, that's. The, the first name that was brought up, um, you know, both of them actually, I think one of them turned down, you know, major league level money. I'm talking, you know, first round money. Yeah. Come to Tennessee. And that's just a testament to what Tony Vitello has kind of built at Tennessee. Um, kind of turning Tennessee in less of a, you know, of a sports afterthought and kind of returned it to the glory. Cause, you, you know, people tend to forget from, you know, 1995 to 2005 just how good Tennessee as a program was in yeah. baseball. Kind of where Old Miss is kind of in there right now, just in the 2010s in that regard. Well, all right, just from what you know of Tennessee now, and, and Ole Miss fans certainly were familiar. I do have some Ole Miss questions for you, obviously, but I wanted to do Tennessee first. Just from what you know of them and how Ole Miss is playing right now heading into the weekend, what kind of series are you seeing? I mean, will there be a lot of runs on the board? you see more pitcher duels? I mean, how do you think the weekend's going to play out? Uh, that's a good question because it just – Totally depends on the matchup that's on the field at one time. I, um, yeah. I think, I think um, you saw what Bianco did with the lineup uh, this past weekend against Auburn. He shuffled things up big time. He put Jacob Gonzalez back in that leadoff spot where yeah. he started his career, having Peyton Chatagnier right behind him. Insert uh, T.J. McCants or Justin Bench, which T.J. McCants is questionable going into this game. He's not listed as a projected starter, but Bianco is optimistic. He's back. It's a kind of a hamstring injury. They initially thought it was cramps, but apparently it was worse than uh, what was initially realized. So Justin Bench will probably be, will likely be uh, that guy in the three hole. Obviously Tim Elko, and then just kind of whatever falls in line after that. Um, so you'll probably see uh, Hayden Leatherwood kind of in that slot five start role, if not him, a Hudson Sapp, who really, you know. Once he got in in the Auburn series, once he Jimmy Kent got out, he's he's been pretty pretty good. You know, he's rose up on occasion when his number was called. Um, so Kim Alderman be out there in the outfield as well. Um, you know, obviously um, Kevin Graham still being out for you know now I think as we stand right now three weeks or uh, two and a half weeks. Um, right now Calvin Harris out with the groin injury still. He's gotten to the point where. Um, you know, where he can throw, but he can't hit, you know, it's just the, you know, the, the, the twisting the body and the torque has kind of given him issues um, right now. But I think it just totally depends on the matchup because uh, you look at Tennessee's lineup, um, eight of the nine guys in their lineup are batting over 300 and through, and excuse me, 
three of those guys are batting over 400. Hear me out on that one. Um, there's eight so of those nine so guys. Eight of those nine guys that's have four home runs each. Now so, the weekend rotation, I, I've, I've seen this, but if it's it's, it's late here, and, and if I miss it, I miss it. All right, we're going to go. It's going to be Gaddis. And did we, we moved him. We're going to go. Jack Doherty. Um, Doherty Jack Doherty is game. game three is going to be Diamond. That is correct. And I think and I think that's honestly the right move um, to make. Um, I think with just having Jack Doherty, a guy who could pound the strike zone, if you can take advantage of what John Gaddis can give you on you know day one, a guy um, who – you know, has kind of been bend but don't break in kind of recent outings. But when he's gotten that situation, he's stranded a lot of runners on base. Um, so I think, you know, that's going to be helpful. But when you have Doherty, a guy who could just flat out dominate with passion, you know, throw good velo, throw some strikes, uh, kind of have that fearless mentality in there. And it just it'll set a good tone for day two. And should things go right, you know, to win the series right there, you know, Diamond is – you know, he has great um, you know, stuff to work with. You know, he's a guy who battles despite having uh, some things go against him. Uh, so I think I, I, I think that was a good move. I, I don't it, – it's kind of unfortunate that it's kind of happening at this point in the season now that we're kind of beginning SEC play, especially against SEC. And also keep in mind that this is will be the first ranked opponent that Ole Miss has faced all year long. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I mean, in terms of – yeah, I, I know we're number one in the country, but in terms of kind of finding out where you are as a team, a barometer kind of a thing, this is a big weekend. To, I think even for the coaches, I think this is these are three big games that you look at, and then afterwards, you feel like you have a good idea of, okay, yeah, we're we're there, we're one of those teams, or you look back at it and and you think, hey, there's some stuff that we've got to work on here. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's a little bit concerning at this you know, point in the season because I think uh, it's gotten some progress in that direction. Obviously, like I mentioned with the lineup and with the rotation, I think it, it's a good move to make in theory, especially while you kind of have a window to work with where you're facing uh, Kentucky, Alabama, South Carolina, right before you have that gauntlet where you have um, Mississippi State, LSU, and Arkansas in three out of four weeks. And that's mm-hmm. going to – and you know, if injuries continue to kind of rack up as they've kind of been, whether it be minor or major on the squad so far, uh, this is about the right time to do it. Um, this is about time to really figure out who you are kind of going into the dog days, if, if you will, in, in college baseball terms uh, of the season where you're really fighting for that postseason, uh, where your postseason spot and everything like that. But at the same time, I think that's what – Tennessee has an advantage of going in is because they're confident of, you know, the way that they have structured the lineup and the way that they've put the rotation in order, the guys who they know who they can count on uh, every night. So they can just go in and play and play loose and, you know, kind of have fun in a hostile environment like Swayze. Well, this is what I'm looking at this weekend in terms of baseball. I don't really, I don't really look at the lineup day to day, you know, whether they're hitting or whether they're not hitting. I know that lineup hits, okay, whether it's one weekend that they're swinging it well or not. Uh, I know that lineup can swing the bat. You're just hoping that they're swinging it well at the right time of year as we get you know near the end of the year and you get into the SEC tournament and postseason. You just hope you're hot, right? You know, there's three or four guys swinging. So 
I'm not concerned about that at any level. The lineup is what it is. You just want to be healthy, get a couple guys back. Yes, and, and, and you also kind of want to go back, I think, if you're Ole Miss, is uh, to kind of get that plate patience back a little bit because that's something that's yeah. kind of been uncharacteristic in recent games for Ole Miss. You saw what happened in their in their third loss of the season in Southeast Louisiana. They just threw a lefty who was throwing 85 miles an hour, and he was throwing you know low and away you know, change-ups, um, sliders and all that. And Ole Miss was just chasing after every single one of them. Yeah, you know, and I think that stems from, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, the rotation, the pitching staff overall, that this may not be a, a typical staff that's – this may not be like a top three staff in the SEC, right? And you knew that going into this year, a lot of young guys, some unproven guys. Sometimes I think that filters over to the lineup where they feel like they have to score seven, eight runs. And uh, that that looked like that to me. You're trying to do too much with that bat. Just just have good at bats. I want to see what the rotation does. Um, we need some of the older guys to to step into those roles and be good. I'm watching three freshman kids with a Hunter Elliott. I I think Hunter Elliott will be in the rotation by the end of the year. That's just my opinion. I think that kid has more Friday night stuff than anybody on the staff. I Four think pitches locates them. I'm not saying he's ready, Jared, but in terms of just pure stuff, having different pitches, uh, different swinging miss pitches, I think that kid has more Friday night stuff than anybody on the staff. Yeah, before yeah, I thought you were done talking, but I was no, I was to bump in and say I absolutely agree. Um, I think you know by the at some point in his career he's going to start, and I think not just him, but you look at Riley Maddox, you know what he did yesterday against Memphis. You know he, uh, you know he would inherited a situation in which he, you know, gave up an RBI hit and he went on just a streak of uh, four consecutive strikeouts and not just, you know, strikeouts in a three, two count or two, two count, or just one of those where, you know, the batter made a bag swing on it. And they were legit stuff. And he was getting them down to Oh, two counts just in a blank of an eye. Yeah. Um, Maddox, Maddox just kind of, well, Maddox and Elliot both, um, they both kind of have that it factor that you don't really find in a lot of freshmen to come in and go on the mound is I'm going to get you out. I'm going to, you know, throw some nasty stuff at you and I'm going to go out, you know, stare at you as I go back to the dugout. And I think that's kind of what you see with Elliot and all that. I think Elliot, you know, was kind of uh, the guy that, you know, I think he was probably one of the first freshmen that Bianco mentioned in yeah. many days just because the way that he just – he commands both ends of the play. I mean, he did the exact same thing at Tupelo High School for four years. He was a four-year starter at Tupelo. I'm not um, saying that he's ready now. He is young. Oh, I yeah. But he could be – I think by the end of the year, I think he'll be in one of the spots. We'll see. It's funny you brought up Riley. If you saw that kid pitch in high school – I never he, got a chance to see him pitch in high school. I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you got to say. Look, he, you know he's a football player too. He's a quarterback, okay? I didn't, I didn't know that. He, he's one of the most competitive kids I've ever – I've ever had a chance to be around and to watch play. He's just, he's wired like that. And if you remember the last couple of outings before this one, they weren't his best. He was rolling along and then he gave up a few runs the last two. So then for a midweek game against Memphis, you know, not the biggest game of the year, I wasn't shocked to see him get out there on the rubber like it was a super regional because I think he was he was upset at himself a little bit. So I wasn't shocked at that at all. He was jacked up a little. You know, he hit 96 a couple of times. He's wired like that. But you mentioned this, a couple of guys and him and Hunter Elliott. And, like, I'm watching Mason Nichols do the same thing. He gave up a home run against Memphis. But another freshman arm that they need, they need a blend of these young arms ready and these older arms to, to – 
I don't know, to play with a chip on their shoulder, maybe because some of those guys have stuff. They just have to step into those roles. Yeah, and mm-hmm, definitely. And then you kind of, and they need to have a good bridge in place, you know, like Bianca wanted them to have the beginning of the year. And like we saw beginning of the year with how the bullpen started the year. Um, you know, of course, those bullpen numbers obviously got skewed against Auburn. And granted, you kind of have to put an asterisk by that one because. At that point, you know, Auburn, you know, was pretty much had Ole Miss beat as far as just offensive production, whatever. Yeah, Ole Miss was right. just trying to get out of that game and try not to just blow through a bunch of bullpen arms. They were focused on winning the series as opposed to just, you know, going up 2-0 in the series. And so they kind of left Drew McDaniel out to dry a little bit. You know, once he kind of got relegated down to the bullpen, they Auburn had – I don't remember how many runs they gave up, but it was like eight hits or something like that. Or maybe even hit eight runs, I'm not sure. But, you know, it was kind of one of those where – it was asked yesterday, uh, you know, because because everybody pretty much got a shot out of the bullpen yesterday, including uh, including Maddox and uh, Elliott against Memphis. It was asked about you know Drew McDaniel, you know what's what's going on here, you know what's he got to do. He's like, well, yeah, you know he hasn't pitched really, he hasn't pitched the greatest lately, you know as great as we've seen him play, but you know you can't really fault him with that game against Auburn just because of the way that happened. But with those those young arms, you need to have that when you have. Uh, uh, when you kind of figured out who your closer is at this point right now, which obviously I'll give you three guesses. And the first two don't count as that is, and that's yeah. Brandon Johnson. Uh, and, you know, he's kind of taken that Taylor Broadway role like he was known to do throughout his Ole Miss career. Um, but Dylan DeLucia, who did not have a great outing yesterday by any means, of the, uh, uh, any means at all, but, you know, in – you know, there are three different outings he had this year where it just seemed like, yeah, okay, this is this is going to be the guy. You know, this is going to be, you know, with Jack Doherty moving up. You know, this is probably when Jack Doherty makes his eventual move up, like we've seen right now, that that's the guy who who can uh, move, who can make it happen. And of course, you got your other ones in there like the Mitch Morels, uh, you know, the you know Cole Bakers and all that sort of stuff, and you know Jack Washburn who. In his midweek starts, you know, he's shown his upside, but at the same time, I don't think we've seen Jack Washburn's full potential yet. Yeah. But just to show you that you haven't seen his full potential and he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been terrible by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, yeah, he's had some damage done on him before because it show how the bullpen was kind of compared to last year. Reels. Last year it kind of seemed like it was, you know, a Taylor Broadway, a somewhat Brian Johnson, Jack Doherty late in the year. And kind of, and then everyone else, so to speak. And I think that's kind of promising to see at this point in the season, despite having uh, some things kind of go against them in recent weeks. But they're going to need every bit of that this series against Tennessee, no question. Just because, like I mentioned, the offensive numbers, the numbers don't lie. When you have eight of nine guys, you know, have four more home runs, you have three guys batting 400, eight guys batting 300, you're going to be up against a big challenge this weekend. Well, you mentioned it like uh, pitchers, you know, staring down batters after you strike somebody out. They need either a couple of guys to be that guy or either maybe collectively. I'm sure you get they get tired of hearing this, you know, question marks about the pitching. And I don't care if it's a freshman, junior, it doesn't matter. Just a couple of guys to kind of take hold of that. And those guys, like I said, pitch with a chip on their shoulder because I do think there's some potential in that staff. We'll just have to see how it goes. Hey, and this weekend is going to be a great – three games to see where you stack up in the SEC in terms of arms because you're not going to run into a much better lineup than what they're going to see. But look, isn't the weather supposed to be great too? I hope, I think. It's going to be – Or is it cold? Is it, it's going to be right smack right there, down there in the middle between those two categories. I think the high 
as of right now, of course, we're living in Mississippi, so obviously this it could be, um, you know, it could be ninety two for all we know. Uh, granted, like we, we had snow in the summer recently. And I'm not making this up. Like it's that type of weather in Mississippi, uh, as far as our predictability goes. But I think tomorrow, I think the 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 high tomorrow is supposed to be sixty two, low of thirty nine. First pitch, uh, it being a six six thirty p.m. Uh, first pitch. Fifty nine. So I, 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 I don't know uh, how much factor of wind we'll put in there, but I'll tell you one thing about Swayze Field that doesn't get thrown in the radar. If you're a fan and you're right underneath the kind of roof of the grandstand, yeah, that, that wind swir- swirls around like crazy. Like Olvis's press box, uh, third base side, is partially indoor, partially outdoor, meaning. They have two rows of seats indoors, which the, the back rows used to take in by the sports information staff, photographers and whatnot, and then kind of the you know, the main guys in the media, you know, myself included. Yeah, I'm a big <laughs> shot now. Main guys, I like uh, that. I'll, I'll just put that plug in there. And then basically they everyone else heard about your GPA is what happened. Yeah, I think I, I think it's the uh the GPA or just the fact they love the fact that I get barbecue nachos with my meal ticket every time I go to the game. <laughs> That'll do it. Um, yeah, and so everyone's out there, but like that wind, the, the wind swirls like crazy right there. So even if it's 70 degrees in there, you, you need to bring a sleeve, uh, regardless in there, unless you're out in the sun, um, which, you know, there's some good, good field level seats, first, third base side, where you can just kind of frolic in the sun, like you're on the beach. Um, well, like I'm I, 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 I would say it's, it's going to be like absolutely beautiful, but at the same time, it's not going to be like, not going to rain. It's not going to be like where. Uh, I think it was the Arkansas State series or one of those midweek series at the very beginning of the season where it was so cold. Um, well, A, Bianco made fun of me because I was kind of shivering while I was kind of holding my recorder. <laughs> but that was a little bit later on that he kind of mentioned it. But yeah. one of the questions I asked him was about Hunter Elliott. And the beginning of my question was, how cool was it to see Hunter Elliott, you know, go out there out of the bullpen and, you know, in a two runner on situation and throw three consecutive strikes? When I when I said it because of how cold I said, and when I get cold, ladies and gentlemen, I I I, my, I shut down. You know, my my hands. I can, I have numbness in my hands. I have numbness in my feet. You know, my brother and I both have circulation problems. So, so you're done at that. Point. Yeah, I, I, I'm a vegetable. But when I asked the question to Bianco, I said, "How cool was it?" But the way I said it, it sounded like I said, "How cold <laughs> was it?" And Bianco just kind of just gave me this look, like, "Serious, son?" Yeah. And so, yeah, it's not going to be that type of weekend. And I, and I pray that it's never going to get there by the time the game is over, which Saturday's game is a 7 p.m. first pitch. That game could end at 1030. So I may be like that. So I need to go ahead and pack my suitcase full of a bunch of stuff if need be. Well, dress appropriately. I'm envious of you because that's going to be a big-time college baseball weekend, and you'll be up there for it. I'll be chasing kids around here, around the, the metro area for baseball. But enjoy it, and uh, I appreciate you doing, doing the pod, man. Always um, always good to have you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to talk about my GPA and my favorite <laughs> food at baseball games. So. First one we did, I talked about your, your dating life, and we brought in your, your GPA and your did transcript. We mention, did we, we mention that. I was single? Are we gonna I, do that? I, I, I just wanted to throw out that out there one more time. You're gonna do that every really. You're gonna use this podcast for your for your own personal benefit. Because if you are, I'm a big fan of that man. <laughs> I'm a big big fan. So I mean, I was, 
when I was like, do we need, do you need to go fund to me or something at some point or anything like that? I mean, we could use this platform for, I don't know if that's intended for things like that, but we could do that. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think, uh, uh, the, the mothership above us would be really appreciative of that, <laughs> but, but you know, this off air, I mean, I guess that could be a possibility. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, Jared. I'm sure I'll be talking to you this weekend. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Take hey, care. Yep, Jared Redding, Chris Brooks. Uh, always good to talk to you guys. Everybody have a great weekend. Be safe. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.